an intense change in the voice for whatever reason, let me know. I should be cons uh, consistent. For example, if my voice becomes very deep. Exactly. <laughs> and there is this cape coming. <laughs> Do let us know. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's let's start then. So, um, yeah, this is, this is our first Ninja Theory podcast. And so I'm Dom, I'm studio head at Ninja Theory, and I'm here with David, who's our... Uh, well, I'll let David introduce himself. Well, I'm the audio director, director yeah. at Ninja. Yeah. So, um, yeah, David and I have worked together for eight years. Yes, in eight days or nine days, eight years. So I, I've been here 12 years now. Wow. Like, like I think last week was my anniversary. So it's it's strange to think that we've been working together for, for eight years. Mm. It, it goes fast, but it goes very intense. <laughs> that's how I feel it yeah it's true it's true like I feel like I feel like I've known you f I feel like I've known you for eight years mm. but it's like you look at eight years has flown by really because I remember the day when we when we interviewed you over I think it would have been Skype back then right yes and we it interviewed, was Skype and you're the only person that we've ever offered the job to or that I know of anyway that we offered the job to during the first interview <laughs> yes and I felt it's true I felt really bad about it for a for more than six months. <laughs> One, I didn't know anything about English. It was very hard. I remember in the interview, yeah. you and Tamim were speaking things, and I was saying, yes, 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 yes. Oh, I, did this. I didn't know what I was saying, or I wasn't <laughs> understanding anything. And then I remember the call cut out. I was terrified. And then Karen from HR called me and offered me the job, and I was like, okay. But one thing happened. I, I was telling my wife, no, 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 I'm not sure about this. This is going to be a long process. Interviews are always a long process and they need to speak to me once and then another person and then another. It's going to take weeks, months. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And I came out of that interview and say, well, <laughs> I'm doing wife, it. They just hired me. I'm doing it. And she, <laughs> the eyes of my wife was like, what? It's a, it's a huge change, huge change yeah. of life. Yeah, cause, because were you... What were you doing then? Were you working on indie stuff? Yes. Yeah. Yes, on tequila for rhyme and before deadlight and it was very exciting. Yeah. But yeah, and I, I I well, we didn't we didn't have time to go through months and months of interviews. No. <laughs> no. Um cuz we were we were already working on Hellblade yes. then, right? So I think when you joined us. So when was that then? So I'm trying to work back. So that was t uh, what 20 Six, so 2014, yes. right? Okay. So, yeah, so... You have just finished the vertical slice. Okay, yeah. Just at that moment. And then you joined. Yes. Right, wow. Yeah, yes. okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so Hellblade said it was sacrifice. Uh, audio, I think I think it's fair to say, is like the standout feature of the game. Mm. So let's let's talk about that a bit maybe and how that how that happened. It's interesting because it is, it still is a very hard project to do in the sense like the elements that 
you recall as a standout is the voices, the concept of the voices, but that's not an audio concept in itself. We did a good job to bring it forward, like how people with uh, mental health uh, or psychosis can have elements in their head and how we are truthful to that, to, to connect with them, the empathy. And to me, that is the real challenge in audio, creating empathy. This is why I feel when I play Hellblade, like I'm connecting all the time with the character, with the humanity, with the themes, with the thinking. And this and only this is my focus when I do the audio, to be truthful to the emotions, whatever they are, if it's stress, if it's lack of hope, if it's happiness, how I can, what I can do to tell that story. And then, of course, there is all the technical yeah. flair. That, but that, to me, is not important. That is always a consequence of a very deep emotional journey mm. with Senua, our character. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, <clears throat> I think a lot of that on Hellblade came from... Not a lot of that. Uh, or, or, or certainly inspired by, right, and influenced by the conversations that we had with yes. people from the Recovery College and other people, like those meetings that we had with people to hear about their experiences of, of voice hearing then led to like, how do we replicate the concept of hearing voices in 3D space that yes. led to binaural audio, yes. that led to the way that we recorded yes. those voices. Yes. And I think that unique yes. experience that we had in that first game and that we're bringing to the second game as well, right? Yes. That was... That was uh, a brilliant process to me. Like, I just joined the company, and I think one month later, we, Tamim, remember, he come to me with this binaural mic. Look, mm. this is binaural mic. I never heard of it. Never. And then I went to the, to the car park with the thing. Yes, I remember. And I was absolutely fascinated. Like, this is magic. This is incredible. It's like I'm there now. Walk, and I hear the bike passing the thing. And it was very specialized, very real. And... It, and something clicked in my head, like, this is going to be incredible. Yeah. At that point, I knew that this is going to be incredible. And then, speaking with, with all the people from the recovery college, there were, there were things that stood out to me. And I remember, I don't remember the name, I'm afraid, but I remember he was wearing glasses. Yeah. And he gave me a mega slap in the face about what is reality and how we deal with our mm -hmm. things. And... He was speaking to us and he had a lot of, he was touching a lot of the glasses all the time, like this and then this and then this. And I was getting a bit nervous with it, like, oh, what is going on? What is going on? And then at the end, he should notice, it's very intelligent people, very aware of, he should notice like something was going on. I said, look, when I do this with my glasses, I'm speaking to my voices and I have a cold. So I say, let's speak about this late, later. Or this is not really important. Don't bother me with this. Like, I don't agree with you. And that that way of creating that connection with it, it was like they have a language. Yeah. They are creating a language to understand their world. And uh, so that person have a real perception of all the voices. Like and a, have conversation with them. And, and me as a creator is like, how can I make this happen? Like mm -hmm. that you connect with the voices of Seno in the same way. Like you have, you understand how they are, how how they think, they are different, but they are always consistent. It's not just, we could have done very beautiful things 
that are random. Like, let's just put sounds. But everything we do, and this is something I really like on mm. how we work, it has a deep meaning and it's well, very, very well thought. So when a fury says something, it's very well thought. It's not, oh, whatever. Yeah. Just to make it beautiful. Like beautiful is not our final goal. It's meaningful. That's how I feel. Yeah, and I think sometimes uh, audio, or like in my experience in the past, I think before before working with you, like audio can often be seen as a kind of a, a the icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. It's a layer that you add on at the end. Mm-hmm. Like add some bings and bongs, make it sound good, stick some music on, great, ship it. And I think like on Hellblade, and I think this was because of you, really. It became so integral to the actual experience. Like it serves such a huge purpose in the storytelling, the, the, the journey and the experience for players. And that's, I think that's like kind of a different, a different way of approaching it as well. It's like, it's not, it's not that end of the process. And it still is to an extent, like it's mm-hmm. kind of your work can be, can be late on. Mm-hmm. But I think something that we do here that I think is probably quite unique is that you you and the audio team are such a big part of that experience mm. conversation from day one. It's it, Well, to an extent, I think, I don't think in audio as a functional thing that will be adding at the end this, this beautiful music or so it becomes that thing that everyone is expecting. It's the journey. It's, it's an artistic journey. We always say in the audio team, art is suffering. And it's because you need to put parts of yourself. To me, ideally, when we, we are working in the, in the sequel, when we finish, in Hellblade, it was me speaking through audio, right? Yeah. In a way that I hope people connected with. But I hope that when we finish the sequel, it's not just me, it's me and Daniele. So it's telling a bit of ourselves through mm. Senua and through this journey. So, and this is so important to us. It's, it's our lives. Like doing audio is my passion, is my life. So I put a lot of energy in bringing my ideas and my my way of feeling since the first moments of the game. Mm. How can you not make it this way? Like we do it with every other discipline. And it's true, audio has been always shifted like, oh, this is just uh, whatever sound, the thunder sound. Mm. But if you speak about it before, you can add meaning to that thunder and say, okay, what if this, 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 and this? And you make the players feel something that is special, is more connected to what is happening. And that, that makes a, a world of difference. Like a, I feel like a game is not audio and VFX and this and this. A game is a unique piece of art that happens to combine a lot of individual disciplines. And when all of them live together equally, it's when you have something incredible. Yeah. And, and, and we talk a lot in the team about ex- experience and the emotive journey, yeah. right? Like, and that we actually really talk about Saga or, or, or Hellblade one as a, as a game. Like I'm so used to talking about it as an experience. And yes. I think it kind of encapsulates what you're saying. I was saying to someone earlier, actually talking about, talking about Hellblade actually, and like the focus that we take on each step. Yes. Like, why is that next step that Senua takes meaningful? 
Yes. And it's combining all of those disciplines, audio, VFX, animation, everything, so yes. that every single step. Yes. You know, Hellblade 1 is very focused, linear experience, right? But it's deliberate mm. because we can then get into that real detail that means that it, like exactly like you say, every step is meaningful. Yes. And we can tailor that. Yes. For for everyone. Yes. And you said you said to me once that um, your aim is to create create something that when you hear it, you know it's Hellblade. Yes. So how, like what are the what are the ingredients that go into that? Like we talked about the voices, but what else is that? So it's evolving, but I think we already achieved it with the one. If you yeah. listen to Hellblade one without anything and you you have some kind of context and you understand that, okay, I know this is Hellblade because of this and this and this. To me, is the immersion and the the immersion and how things connect. Like, for example, something that was very hard for me to do in Hellblade is Tamim has this vision of doing things very aggressively. Like when when a person with psychosis is having a bad moment, is really bad. It's not like it's really unbearable. Mm. And carrying that to a scenario where I still need to be beautiful I, I am doing with the hand something, like, I don't know how it's called. Speech marks. A, yeah, a speech yeah, yeah. Marks. Or, or a quotation marks. Yeah, yeah, quotation marks. Like, it needs to be beautiful. Yeah. But because it needs to be aesthetically well thought and meaningful. But at the same time, it needs to be brutal. And there was this moment that you get to hell gate and you see you die and you see yourself and you see another yourself and the scratching. Yeah. And all that needs to be extra powerful and make you feel like really, really unsettling and and playing with all that distortion, it was really, really hard. So I think it's pushing sometimes beyond what is supposed to be correct. Mm. So sometimes if you are in a studio and say, oh, that, that thing is distorting, oh, we cannot allow it, it cannot be, or no, there is noise in the mouth. We kept all the noises from the Furies. We, we record things different, like, no, they need to be standing still in the booth. No, no, just run and do whatever you need to do because we will adapt to what you need to do to make this awesome in the performance, no correct in the way it sounds. Yeah. So giving, at any point, freedom to achieve what we think is the most emotionally powerful output is what I think makes a difference. Yeah. Being music or sound design or anything, and it gives it it gives it that that like uh, physicality. I think like yes. back to the <clears throat> the conversations that we had with people with lived experience. I remember hearing hearing people talk about the the voices that they hear, and and it kind of manifests in a in a voice that they hear. But actually, for 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 many people, it's a it's a person mm -hmm. that maybe they can't see. Mm -hmm. Certainly, other people can't see, but that they hear. And kind of when you think about it like that, it's a physical entity, mm. just like any like anyone else. And I think that's like particularly with the Furies, with uh, uh, Helen and Abby, right? Like the way that we recorded them with the binaural microphone, but with the physicality yes. moving around it in the physical space. Yes. And like you say, with all those imperfections, yes, it's it it makes it feel 
real, real, and, exactly, and, and, and brings a physicality to it that exactly. is um, is almost like theatre, right? Yes. Like I think, uh, um, like that <clears throat> that kind of black box theatre. Yes, uh, that you are very close, right? Yeah, you're very yeah, close, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's very simple. Yes. Actually, maybe the costumes are minimal yes. and the staging is very minimal. It's really powerful. But what you get is that uh, raw yes. emotion. Yes. And the, the simplicity of it almost magnifies that. Yes. You yes. know? Well, it's like Tipo. You know Tipo too? Yeah. She did the narrator. And every time she goes, oh, whatever, make a beautiful phrase, and then come close to your ear and say, don't you see? And you get the chills everywhere. Like, yeah. oh, and like you feel it's there and it's moving. And you, our brain tends to have this tendency of creating the image of the things we listen to. And if there is movement, it's imagining that person going far away, that direction. And you imagine, I don't know, I imagine all the time all these things happening around, yeah. around me. And this is beautiful about the Furies, our narrators, everything created with binaural. So yeah. I think you say one thing there that is important to me on audio is raw. We are a bit raw for a good reason. Yeah. And it's to don't uh, filter too much some important things that create more real emotion and more immersion in the game. Yeah. And do you think that's on a sort of a subconscious level that subconsciously you might hear these details that of course are imperfections maybe to a pure kind of audio but it's those imperfections that at a subconscious level make it feel like that person's actually there next to you. Like the proximity thing that you're talking about with binaural, where that voice comes really close to your ear. Yeah, yeah. Is, I think, at a subconscious level, really unnerving. It's unnerving. Yeah. ASMR, call it, no? They yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's very uh, strange. Because binaural audio, right, has been around since, I don't know, 1920s. Forever. Yeah, the idea's been around time. for a long time, but yeah. I think it's really taken off now like yes. with like a ASMR stuff and yes. but it was yeah it was interesting because I like I like the the story with binaural because it's not like it was some revolutionary technology no. it was existing technology that's been around for a long time yes and we took it and gave it our own twist yes and put it into a game and that was yes. what made it yes made it uh yes unique yes I think I think that call I think yeah this was one of the the things that I mean had in, in his reign that went were a stroke of genius, like just connecting yeah, I, these I, things. I think he'd been to, uh, uh, if I'm remembering it correctly, he'd been to Edinburgh Festival. Yes, uh, Fringe. Fringe Festival, yes. right? And he'd and he'd been to a, a performance that was completely dark, and yeah. it was just binaural. Ah, okay. And he came back from that. It, and then we found the binaural mic online, right? The, yes. I think it was it was in the US and it took months to come. Yes. Right? And we ordered one of those and yes. then it came. Yeah. And it, and if anyone hasn't seen that mic, like it's just looks cool, right? Because it's, it's like the width the of a head and it's got two rubber ears on either yes. side. So it's this. Yes. So for actors, they can really treat it like a person. Yes. And a and a head. Yes. And so they can. Yes. They can. Talk, talk to it, which I think really... Now we have one that has even cheeks and nose yeah. and eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And that's what, that's what makes the experience so uh, immersive. Like, yes. like you say, with headphones. Yes. Right? Yes. 
and I think that's quite unique, right? Like our commitment to the experience in headphones, I yes. think is, is interesting, right? Yes. I think on that, I don't, personally, I think it's important not only because of the binaural, binaural needs headphones to work, but because when you put your headphones, they isolate you from the outside. Like there is something about, okay, I'm gonna get myself immersed into this world. And you put your headphones and it's like a wall between you and the rest. And then there are some technical things like with headphones, you can hear quieter things that if you have a TV, probably with the noise of the room. So actually we can do more subtle things and more dramatic changes. But to me, it's very important the isolation, like it makes the game more intimate. Yeah, allows you to sink into the, the world of exactly. character. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Especially if you have three kids like me, and I am at home, I want to play Headblade, and I have three kids, hey, daddy, what? The? Yeah. I do. But I think that's that's modern life, right? Yes. Like, I think our, our game is almost a counter to. Uh, multi-screen entertainment yeah yeah like I think our games are ones where it's you know we almost want to maybe maybe we do this on health mode too right we go like wear headphones we recommend you wear headphones and don't look at your phone exactly <laughs> actually exactly we should probably do that exactly right? don't, because you yeah you're right like like so much of what we do is about allowing our players to uh suspend their disbelief as easily as possible yes and maybe they can do us some favors as well right and yes. we can go like get in a dark room yes <laughs> put your headphones yes. on switch your switch your phone off well to me i'm i play a lot of piano but i'm noticing something lately and it's i'm starting to put my phone up there mm. i had the score chopin score whatever and then my phone and this is really bad yeah, and I'm playing. And like, and then, oh, let me just, just to check. Yeah, let me just check. I don't like it. Yeah, but we are getting this. Yeah, I don't know the word. I'm doing a lot with the hands, but yeah. the word doesn't come. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. It's the it's mechanic. The, it's a mechanical thing. I need to reach it. It's like the it's like the the ring. The habit. Yeah, it's like, it's like the ring of power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the information it holds. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about. Tell me about, this is a good segue, right? Tell me about piano playing, right? Because, and I might be wrong on this, but that's, is that where music started for you? Yes. So, four-year-old. Yeah. I almost didn't know how to talk. And my mom bring me a Casio. Casio, yeah, I don't remember the model. It so was an electric, electric yeah. keyboard. Yeah, electric, keyboard. electronic keyboard, sorry, yeah. with four sounds. Flute, <laughs> uh, flute, whatever, whatever. And I remember this sound, fantasy. For a long time, yeah. I thought fantasy was a real instrument. For a long time, I... Love it. I want to have a fantasy. I want to play the fantasy. The fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> For a long time. And then what I was doing is MacGyver on TV, right? Yeah. And I... The tune... Whatever. Yeah, I think it was that. Yeah, yeah. And I was in the keyboard and I put it out. Oh, look, I know this. And next one, uh, A-team... All, all the things. So, do, so you just listened and uh, yeah, and, I, and then my mom said, "What? He doesn't know how to speak. Is is? But he can play the he's, he's, I can do this and put me into classes. Oh, okay. I just straight away. Yeah. And and is it in your family? Does your mom no, play? No, 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 no. no. She so tries. She got. She got. Uh, 
oh, he can do it. I can do it. I yeah. will try it. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's true that if you don't start when you're a kid, my mind was 37 at that time. It's mm. mega, mega difficult. Yeah. And your brain is already, already wired. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you need the elasticity to use a lot yeah. of things. I'm, I'm 38 so there's no no, <laughs> no hope for me with piano playing <laughs> I, it, honestly it's so hard like I love it now I love it but it's a really tough instrument if you want to reach a high level and I'm a person I have a problem because I really want to I'm a bit of a perfectionist, mm. so I impulse you of doing it better and better and better and better and better. And with an instrument like the piano, which is infinitely complicated, you never reach a point that you are satisfied. Never, never, never. And it drains your your life. So that's yeah. why I left piano. At some point, like, what I'm doing? You have to pour yourself into yeah, it so it's much. It's 11 hours a day. I was 17 years old, 11 hours a day, every day of my life, to play whatever. Wow. And then one day I remember I was in the conservatory, they are this room to practice, and there were four of us doing exactly the same. And then I had a I had a a, a ding on, on my on my a bed on my brain, like I need to stop. This makes no sense like, yeah. at all. Because it was in pursuit of perfection and it was just Be, because I was not enjoying <clears throat> it anymore. Oh okay, yeah. Because it was just in pursuit of technical perfection. Yeah. But the art, the emotion yeah. He was lost. And now I'm back to that piano playing that I, I just, enjoy. just sit and improvise how I feel at that moment and I just go be, and I love it. I love it. So so tell me about, so four-year-old David is playing 18 on his Casio <laughs> in fantasy. Right? And then 17-year-old David is, is playing the piano 11 hours a day. Yes. Tell me, tell me about 17-year-old David and then the journey from that to entering video games yes I, I i was very lucky because i had an uncle that was obsessed with technology so when i was seven eight year old he never allowed me never eh, allowed me to touch anything at all I, I kept going every day to his house when i was young and he has a room full of computers synthesizers all your dreams there and i was if you want to stay here you cannot touch anything I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. And I was sitting there looking at, looking with big eyes to everything. <laughs> Which um, one of these is fantasy? Exactly. <laughs> that sounds like fantasy. That's even more fantasy. It was very good, very good. And I learned a lot. He taught me a bit of uh, programming as well. At that age. I don't remember anything at all. But it was, it was like a mind, like it opened something in my brain and I left it there. And then with 17, I made some friends and there was a thing, I want to try to pronounce it correctly, called Demosine. Demosine. So it was code, art, and music all together. Mm. And it started with Atari, Amiga, and hackers were doing the introductions using Demosine, like cubes rotating with music. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we started doing that and going to festivals. We, went, uh, we won awards, and it was, it was like a freedom. Because it's like, oh, I have this idea oh, about uh, petrol, uh, like uh, oil. Like, let's do a demo about how oil is destroying the world. And, and we do it through something beautiful. Amazing. So were you, at that point then, were you, were you starting to kind of get involved in the technical side? It yes. Was, you were creating the music and then 
implementing the music in the in the demo? I was starting to do that. Yeah. And I started to be like the combination of these things is amazing. Just, this is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Incred it's like this is this is the best thing ever. Yeah. The the freedom, the potential, the the itself is is fresh. Like there is nothing. Like yeah. we are just imagine a, a door that is opening. We are just looking through the little hole to see what is behind this. All the future is is here. Yeah. And it was Incredible, incredible. We did uh, very cool things. Now I look at them and, and it's like, oh my God. Yeah, but for the time, right? So so when would that have been? Like, what what kind of years would that have been? I was 18, 2000, 96, 97, 98. Yeah, so mid-late mid 90s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. I remember going, um, because now, uh, if I want to do music now, you have, uh, you can reach technology and software very easily even very cheap. Like there is something for everyone. When I was 17 year old, there was absolutely nothing. Like this thing of, oh, I want to look in YouTube. For, there is, was almost no internet. And then I, I, my neighbor was a pirate. And I remember going to his house and he was going to the, a place of, <laughs> like the Matrix. And, when I, and we were, I was with my box and he with his box, and he's like, I swap you this for that. Oh, look, Cubase. Give me Cubase. I give you my whole box. And I just have my copy of Cubase so I can start doing music. Yeah. Incredible. It was incredible. Incredible. I remember my mom every day shouting, Stop playing with the computer. What are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, Ma, I'm doing music. I'm not playing. This is my future. Stop playing with the computer. We were speaking about fathers getting out of generation, like, you don't understand your kids. Mm. Right? This is exactly it. My mom was not understanding anything. And one day, my computer was gone. And I went, what happened? You need to focus on your studies, in your piano. This is not... Well, I'm doing music. This is, this is as good as the piano. This is incredible. No, 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 no. So, as, since I'm very little, I like to dismount things and to see how... They, so I opened... My mom went in a little holidays. She had a computer there, and I say, I want to do music. And I opened... A computer. I remove all the interior of the computer, put it in my room, I left. <laughs> <laughs> and I left the computer completely empty there, like nothing happened. You look from the outside and it's perfect. It's a perfect computer, it's there. And then, but the thing is like, I'm a bit, uh, so I forgot to put it back. <laughs> and then my mom wants to start the computer. And he's like, what? What is happening? It's not working. Must be broken. <laughs> I love, have a look inside. It's <laughs> empty. <laughs> she, did, oh. she did look inside. And it was horrible. Like it was a bit of a... So to pursue <laughs> your dream, you removed the innards of your mum's computer. Yes, to do music. But put it back together so carefully that it looked like it was fine. Exactly. <laughs> That's brilliant. Exactly. And so, like, at that age, did you know... Like, were you aware that this could be a a career for you? No. But did you think that that's what you wanted to do? You wanted to pursue Yeah, Yeah, but I wanted art. to do it. But yeah. I, I thought, look, imagine you live in Spain, which there is, now it's, there, there, there is quite, it's starting to be a reliable industry. Like you can have a circle of life inside the industry. But back then there was absolutely nothing. And I don't live in the capital. I lived in a little village in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So what are the chances that this person can live a very, very little? 
So I knew I needed to be like mega focused. Like yeah. if I want to reach somewhere, I need to work like there is no tomorrow. So all the discipline I learned from my piano, I put into getting super good at what I do, like super good. And I was listening to everyone saying, no, no, I like, and how would they do it? And until I replicate what they do, I cannot move forward. And it was smashing my head. Midi, what is midi? So really, really self-taught then. Yeah, yeah. There was no university. I, yeah. uh, it was just me on my room. Yeah. All and, the time. And how, how did you then, how did you go from David at home learning this stuff to entering the games industry? So that was a bit strange. I wasn't expecting it. I was doing the demo scene with my friends and doing awards, whatever. And then I got a mega scholarship to do arts. One year in Cordoba, in a beautiful city in Spain, everything paid. Just do whatever you want for a year. Okay. And I was writing piano music and do. But at the same time, I started to receive calls from my demo scene friends, like, oh, we are going to, there's this studio, I'm going to work there. Oh, you should come, you should come. And then I, I did a test. And they say, oh, join us. And I, I started like that. It was very simple. Yeah. Nothing special about so it. So it, it was the demo scene yes. work yes. that led to yes. the group of you getting yes. interest from yes. studios and then you joined. Yes, because if you think about it, we live in a very small village. So very few people were really interested in this. Like we were mm. four of us, like four in a, in a 300,000 population at that time. There was four here, four there, very few people. So these people were really passionate about it. So every single one of them are now working in video games, stable, doing great games. And this is lovely. I, I think this is, uh, one is in uh, Frictional, the other is in Ubi, the other, but everyone reads their dreams, which is making video games. Yeah, that's that's so cool. Yes. Are you still in touch with them? Do you see? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. We are super good friends. I don't see them much. They don't see me much. Yeah. But every time, it's like time didn't pass. You need to get back together and do a demo. Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, with all the knowledge and everything, yeah. it will be amazing. That would be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so you got that first job and then worked to, on different indie, yes. indie yes. things? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And then I quit. I think, no, it's too hard because doing video games is too hard. And I, mm. I got through a lot of peaks and valleys that I got in a very dark place because I get frustrated when things uh, are very hard and I don't understand how to make them. And like, I have a hard time of don't do amazing things with myself, mm. uh, it's something I need to work, this is no, mm. but, but I really, really think making games is very hard, also because you need to work with a lot of people, and it's a collective vision, it's a lot during three years, or two years, or four years, so the amount of, you need to have a very good mind, mm. to do the whole process, with a smile, with a proper energy, and I, I I really value this, mm. having this energy, the smile. Like, I try to do it a lot. Like, yeah, hey, I come here to the office and I, I want to bring my energy to people because I would like that others do it. Like, I really, really, and here we we are have amazing this thing, and it still is very hard to do videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like that fun element. Yes, that's the thing that I love as well is that we can 
it is really hard and it's still it's still to an extent bizarre that we all have careers making video games yes. right oh yes and you kind of have to remember that as hard and it is hard right it is hard but i love that we still have a lot of fun yes doing it yes and 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 there's nothing for me there's nothing quite like that feeling of um going through some of that pain and struggle yes together as a group and particularly when it turns out well like it did in hellblade one yes. right like you create incredible bonds yes with people yes as a result because you've been through those yes painful painful yes times and together uh, yeah you have doubts i remember how many doubts we have we when we were finishing hellblade like yeah what is gonna be is gonna people are gonna understand it they're gonna like it we didn't know at we all, right? Know we had no idea whether pe what people were going to think at all. And I think we were quite quite strong in, in that being okay because that was kind of part of the point, point yes, of it. Yes, we do what we feel, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember it. We released Hellblade and I received a, a Twitter from a, a private Twitter from an Italian, I, I don't remember, a, a media. I Can I speak to you? Well, I just play the game. I'm not going to review it very well. I'm going to put a six. And at that point, the first review, is said, I'm going to put a six. Yeah. And I was demolished. Like, so many hard work and advice. Like, but it doesn't matter. It's just him. But you want... At that point, you are wishing, like, people is going to like it. Yeah. And it was... And just after that, all the... Yeah. I couldn't believe the impact that Hellway had. No. I couldn't believe. No. No, completely. It's... um. It's it's it is still unbelievable, really. I mean, I, I was I was telling you earlier about a new neighbour that moved in near me, and uh, it just turned out that his dog was called Senua. Like he yeah. named his dog after Senua, and it just turned out like, and it just reminded me, well, that in video games that we don't we don't get much of an opportunity to kind of see the fans mm. and see the audience. Like I went to a, um, a West End show a few month or so ago and uh at the end of the show everyone's on their feet applauding the the, the show and and it kind of in that moment i thought how how wonderful it is for those performers to get that instant yes. reaction yes from their audience yes you know? and we, we we kind of don't often get that yeah. opportunity we, but we receive a lot of mails we did a we yeah. did a trailer with some of of the quotes yeah and that to me, that is it. Oh yeah, unbelievable, right? And I think that was the that was the the most valuable part of Hellblade for me, and I think for a lot of people was the was that reaction from people that had li had lived experience or had friends and family with lived experience of psychosis that kind of endorsed the game for us. Yes, and said you've done a good job there. You've done something that's actually. Uh, helpful yes you know and, and how moving that was I think for all of us to yes to experience that yes because it's a very fine line where what we do is just a game mm. like there is a moment like if I do this sound this way or I do it this other way maybe there is not much difference but there is Really, there is, and there is these little decisions through four years time. Yeah, that it, that that is that is special. Yes, 
Yeah, it's a, it's an it's an art form, right? Without wanting to sound too lofty, right? But it's it, it's an interactive, it's an interactive art form, and I think we always think of it as we have the opportunity to have an impact on people mm. and to move them emotionally. Yes, in the same way that other art does. Exactly. And, and and our art form happens to be games. Yes. I, I wanted to, I think one, like a good thing for us to touch on is, because I get I get asked it a lot, and I think it's our responsibility to try and provide some kind of guidance, is yes. if you're a, if you're a David mm-hmm. in in that village in Spain, mm-hmm. right, or, or a, or a, uh, whatever, a, a, a Sarah in, in a city in the north of England or whatever, and they're sitting there saying, I want to, I have that same dream. Yes. I want to have a career in video games. I want to have a career in audio. And I want to, I want to have that same feeling that, that you've been able to have in your career of creating art through audio that's impacted people. Like what would, what would you say to them? Mm. What, what advice can you give them? This is a very complicated question. Extremely complicated, at least to me. So first, is like try to don't do it alone, never. Surround yourself with people that also, doesn't need to be audio, but are connected to what you're doing so you can collaborate. Because a video game is not you doing audio, it's you with others doing things together. Yeah. So I think it's super important that the same way I had my friends doing demo scene, you, you grow together and you, because I feel the most important thing in video games is communication. So how you translate your ideas to others, how others translate their emotions to you, how you combine, create something. A video game is an exercise, exercise on creation. So if you want to become a good audio designer, you will need to be good at creating things. And for this, you need to speak a lot with others and be very curious, be very open, try, don't be afraid to explore. Down the, on a very basic level, then of course, learn the craft, play a lot of games, uh, learn the tools, how, if you want to be a lot of people, I know this because we do, when we open an application for audio designer and we receive 500 applications and imagine it was for music, 500 composers want to do, and I'm not exaggerating, only a five, 5% of them know how to implement their music. Like, if you don't understand how a game works, you cannot do games. I think this is a bit uh, dramatic, but it's what it is. Like, if me, if I wasn't knowing how to create dynamic music or how to do a blueprint, I will serve no purpose. Like, I need to, because my, my job is to reflect what is in my brain inside of a game. And this, this process cannot be broken. The moment I start to distribute it in a million of places, it is not going to be as clear. It's, so important is to know the language of games, the tools of games, like very basic stuff again. And then something that I feel is very important is to know your limits, mm. to know yourself. What is my strength and what is my weaknesses? because we have a lot of weaknesses. In the craft, 
and in your in 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 communication like myself uh, i i analyze myself a lot not in a bad way in, in the way that how can i be uh better in the sense like uh i'm very stressed and sometimes when i'm in a group of 10 people i'm super stressed and i don't think properly so i need to do an exercise i'm saying how can i chill and just feel that nothing is happening and we are just having a chat and uh, so it's these things to analyze what are the things that make you stronger and what are the things that not and in music this is super important like what type of music i'm good at what type of music i'm not good at and this doesn't mean like you only focus in the one in becoming stronger in your weaknesses but you need to understand yourself because sometimes you need to learn to say no i cannot do that job like i cannot do this because it's not my type of thing because mm. um, a, a mistake that a lot of people do is say yes to everything and they, they are not fit to purpose. Like they cannot do it. They don't have the knowledge, they don't have the experience, and it's just a massive slap. With sometimes it's good to have, mm. but you can avoid it just by being smart and saying, I'm not doing this now. You keep practicing, you keep going, 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 going. And one day it's like, I'm gonna do it now. And then you do something incredible because you are ready. I don't know, it's these millions of things. It's very complicated. Yeah, no, and, and it sounds like, <clears throat> like something I was thinking about as you're talking there is like the, for you, for you growing up, like that community of people were local to you. Yes. And for you to get access to software was to to swap stuff with someone down the street, right, yeah. with your neighbor. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now, people can go and download Unreal. Yes. And they can they can learn it at home for free. They can yes. get access to tools, which which is a fairly new thing. Yes. And then with a a community of people. That, like there's there's online communities yes. and you can collaborate with people across the world, right? Exactly. Like-minded people to build something. So the the, the, the opportunities for people to do those two things, are, uh, are, it's way easier now yes. to do that or through university. Yes. Um, you, you can certainly do that. And it's interesting your point on that, understanding yourself. Mm. You know, I think that's that's a valuable point for for anyone. You know, understanding your weaknesses and your yes. strengths. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's great, and I think they are they are points I've not really heard before. Mm. Like in terms of collaboration and learning how to collaborate, because mm. you're right, that is what games are, are about. Whether you're in a small indie team, yeah, or whether you're in a bigger studio like us, and we're not we're not huge, right? There's far bigger studios than us. Yeah. But day in, day out, really the job is about collaboration and communication. Yes. yes. Yeah, and there is something about that that it makes you learn to be humble. And being humble is what makes you better. Mm. Because then... Have, so, uh, my, my, my younger brother is a very self-confident person. I'm amazed by this. Amazed, like, wow. He knows everything. He can. It's amazing, and I'm completely the opposite. I'm always full of doubts. I, but I, I understood. I made this that I thought it was a weakness. I made it my strength in the sense like, okay, if I doubt this music is not good enough, I'm gonna make it good enough yeah. until this fades. This, so being humble in video games because also there is a lot of people. One thing that is insane for me in video games is how smart is everyone. 
everybody is super smart. It's scary. Like, and some programmers is like, oh, mamma mia, the logic process in just three words, I'm incredible. You, being part of a group, being open to collaborate, being open to, we give, but we need to take. Learning to take is super important. Like receiving things and making it really appreci appreciate that is happening. Like what we call feedback, right? Give me feedback. It's just you need to learn to take feedback, and it will make you fly. Yeah. If you know how to how to deal with that information, not all feedback is good. Some feedback is is useless. But even in in that useless feedback, there is wisdom there. It's just looking at everything with curiosity, and then things will get better. Yeah, and that's the thing that you can you can practice before you even enter the industry, right? If you have that community of people around you, exactly. collaborators, then you can practice that that feedback. And that thing that I think we always say to junior is like one of the things you have to learn in the industry pretty quickly is to not be precious about your own work. Yeah. You know, the yeah. focus is on how do we make the project better? It's not about individuals' yeah. work. And you might work on something and it's not right. Yeah. And actually that's scrapped and you yeah. work on something else. Yeah. You need to have that, that ability, and I think being humble is completely right. It's the being being humble enough to say, this is in the best interest of the, of yeah. the project. Yeah, and doesn't mean like uh, how many times I did a beautiful piece of uh, piano or whatever, and I really, really like it in the game, but then it, it really didn't fit. And doesn't matter if I have a little tear, I understand it doesn't need to be there. And I save it for, it was good to make it. it it's part of your journey. Like the fact that it's not used for a specific thing, it doesn't matter, it didn't serve to make you stronger in your thing. Like sometimes you need to look at the at the horizon and say, okay, this goes there. But yeah, it, it's normal that sometimes when you get some feedback that you suffer, suffer a little, but it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You need to learn to deal with that as well. Yeah. And and art is suffering, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> art, is, art is suffering. <laughs> Cool. Well, listen, I, th I think that's been a really interesting conversation. And for me, you know, like I say, we've known each other for, for eight years now, but there's yes. interesting things there that we've never talked about before. It's, it's and I've true. never heard before. So hopefully uh, people listening to this will find it, find it useful as well. So thanks, David. Thank for you, all your time. My pleasure. <laughs> thanks everyone for, for listening. That was uh, me speaking to David Garcia, our, audio director here at Ninja Theory. Um, we hope you've enjoyed it and uh, we'll have more coming down the line.